and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so Paul's passion is that he will magnify Jesus no matter what happens, life or death, whatever takes place, he is going to magnify his savior. And so the verses we look at today, 21 through 26, are going to show us how he intends to do that. And so I'm going to read our passage, Philippians 1, 21 to 26, and then I'm going to pray for us as we get ready to examine the truth of God's word. Philippians 1, starting in verse 21, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true. We confess it as true today. But we confess with our sinful hearts, we do at times have a hard time believing. And because of our sinful hearts, we have a hard time obeying. And so today, as we examine the truth that your word has for us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will work now in our minds to help us understand and that you will work now in our hearts to give us a heart of obedience for Christ's glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The world has different views on life and death. And that's been the case since since man has been on this earth. Uh, So some people view life now as kind of your one shot to seek as much pleasure, as much joy that you can get. That this is kind of a, a hedonistic view of of living, of just soak up as much pleasure and fun and experiences that you can have, uh, because, you know, the saying, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And so some people view life as that, as I have to seek out all of these pleasures and all of this joy, because one day it's all going to be over. Uh, some view life, on the other hand, as a chance to kind of build up as many accomplishments as they can. You know, they're, they're seeking to build a name for themselves, uh, accomplish more, do more so that they will have a lasting impact and be remembered, while others may take it as a as an opportunity to better the world. They see the world as my life is an opportunity to strive to make this a better place for the people who come after me. Death, on the other hand, is viewed as loss. And for many of us, it's viewed as the greatest loss. It's the thing we strive the most to get away from. Uh, Death is uh, something that we are most afraid of oftentimes. 
other view, others view death just as merely kind of ceasing to exist. Uh, you know, they try to view it as not good, not bad. It's just an ending of someone's life. Well, for us as Christians, uh, because of what Jesus has done for us, we should have a better perspective. We should have a different perspective on life and death than what this world has. A better perspective that gives us a true purpose for our living while we're holding out and holding on to true hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what this passage is talking about today. What Paul is, is giving us in this instruction as he talks about his living and viewing the fact that he really is facing death. Paul is showing us that there is a different way for those of us who are in Christ, to view our life and to view our death. The central truth kind of from this passage is this. Being united with Jesus gives us a new perspective on life and death. Being united with Jesus gives us a new perspective on life and death. I've titled my sermon, Living for Jesus While Longing to Be With Him. Living for Jesus while longing to be with Him. Now, Paul's kind of theme verse for his life. It's certainly one of the key verses of Philippians, but it's clear that this is a key idea that drives all that Paul does is Philippians 1.21. So let's look back at that. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says... If, if I continue on living in this life, the way that I am viewing the life that I have is that it is Christ living in me. It is Jesus himself living in me and through me. The original language actually has emphasis in the, the way that it's worded, where it does not actually say in the original language the word is. The language actually just says, for me to live, Christ and to die, gain. And there, there was the emphasis point is, as I live, it truly is Jesus living in me and through me. Well, how can that be? Paul clarifies a little bit of this idea. He expands the idea a little bit for us in Galatians 2 and verse 20. Another well-known verse for many believers Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who's living, but it's Jesus. It's Christ who is living in me. It's Jesus who's living through me. Now, the reason that we can say that, the reason that we could confess that, the reason that Paul could write those words for me to live is Christ, is because Jesus has died for us. For those of us who are have come to faith in Jesus, the reason that we can live, the way that we can live a life that is Jesus living in us and through us is because he went to the cross and took our place. Jesus on the cross took the death that we deserved 
so that we could live the life that he deserved, live the life that honors him, that magnifies him. Remember, that's his purpose. That's his, his heart for Paul is to magnify Jesus with everything that he does. Whether he lives or dies, he wants to magnify Jesus. And so it's because Jesus went to the cross for us that we can say, my life will now be Jesus living through me. Now, it's important as we talk about life in Christ, as we talk about obedience to Jesus, that we don't view this as obedience in order to earn God's favor. We can't earn God's favor. And so the obedience that we talk about and the, the life of Christ living in us and through us is in response to God's favor, not earning God's favor. So because Jesus loved us, because he went to the cross and died for us, if we have put our faith in him, then we truly can live a life that will magnify him. And we can live a life that truly is Jesus living through us. Now it's important that we note that this is the most important decision that you could ever make in your life. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you've not trusted in Jesus for salvation, whether you've heard those phrases all of your life or you don't quite know what it is that I'm talking about, if I say that if you haven't trusted in Christ for salvation, I want you to think today and know today that that is the most important thing for you. And so as we are looking at what God's word has to say about life in Christ and the way that we can view death because of Christ, I want you to know that the promises we talk about today are promises that are available to you if you would just come in faith to him. So what we're going to see over these next five verses is Paul's perspective on life and death because of his union with Jesus. And believers, it's going to challenge us. It's going to push against what our hearts say and our sinful response to how we view this world and how we view our lives. It's going to push against our perspective on life and death. And so as we examine what Paul's contemplating as he bounces between these ideas of living for Christ and dying as Gain. I want to point out three different truths that God's word shares with us about changing our perspectives on life and death. The first is this. A believer's life should be lived in faithful service to Jesus. A believer's life should be lived in faithful service to Jesus. Our temptation is often that we, you know, have a component of our life that is our faith and our religion, that it is, you know, we come to church on Sunday or we go to church activities, but then the rest of our life we're living for other things. We're living for ourselves. And Paul's saying, our life, all of our lives, every moment of our lives is an opportunity to magnify Jesus Christ. And so we should live in faithful service to Jesus. Let's look back at Philippians 1, 21 and 22. We've already looked at 21. For, to me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, 
This means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. So Paul says, as he's, remember, Paul is in prison. He is under house arrest, chained to soldiers, unable to move, unable to do other things. He can have visitors and he can write letters. He can encourage people when they come in. And Paul is saying, I know that there's a, a real reality that I may die. He's facing that reality. But he says, I don't really know what I should really long for in my heart. He's not saying, I don't know which one I should choose. Like, he has a say over what's going to happen. What he's saying is, in my heart, I don't know what I should long for. If I should long for living or long for dying, both options for Paul, because he is in Christ Jesus, are wonderful blessings to consider. And so Paul says, if I live then it will be a life of fruitful ministry. It will be a life that's fully committed to, to Jesus Christ and magnifying Him because He is united with Jesus. He is living for Jesus. And remember, that's what Jesus spoke about when He talked about the fruitful life of a believer is that remaining in Him, staying united to Him, is how we have a fruitful life. In John, he says, remain in me and I in you and you will produce much fruit. And then he goes on to say, but apart from me, Jesus speaking, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus speaks in these terms of your life. If we stay united to him, if we stay connected and faithful to him, then our life will produce much fruit for his glory. We will live a life that magnifies Jesus, we used to go to church with a man that uh, I heard him pray a prayer on a regular basis for himself and sometimes for the church as a whole. And his prayer really kind of captures this idea of what Paul was balancing between I don't know which one I would rather choose, staying and being faithful to Jesus or going home to be with Jesus and Brother G. O. Terrell would pray I'm ready to see Jesus, but until that day, wear me out in your service. I'm ready to see Jesus, but until that day, whenever that day comes, wear me out in your service. And he's capturing that idea of what Paul is saying for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And I don't know which one would be better for me. So for us, church, what we need to consider as we think about this statement of living for Christ is we need to examine what we're living for. We need to have an honest assessment of ourselves of what am I truly living for? Am I living for my own pleasures Am I living for my own experiences? Am I living for my kids? Am I living for my job or maybe for retirement? One of the, I saw several people actually write about this, is that one of the best ways we could take this assessment, if we're willing to be honest with ourselves, is just write the statement, for me to live is, and put a blank there. And just pray, God, Honestly, in my life, what would I have to put there? 
If we want to assess what it is we're living for, what would we have to fill that blank in with? Are we living for ourselves or are we living each day with Jesus in mind that it is Christ in me and it is Christ through me? So as we take that assessment, as we consider our hearts, because we are tempted always, every one of us are tempted to live for ourselves. So as we consider the ways that we are living for ourselves or living for something other than Jesus Christ, we need to confess that. And we need to commit again to saying like, Jesus, you're worth it. You are worth everything. And so I will put away my own desires so that I can live in order to honor you every day in your parenting, in your work, in your marriage, in everything that you do. We can live a life that will magnify Christ and truly be Christ living through us. The second point from this text is this. A believer's death should be viewed as a greatest gain. A believer's death should be viewed as the greatest gain. Now, death, of course, there is the reality that it does include loss for us. And I don't want to dismiss that. And it it certainly in, feels like a loss when we lose someone that we love. And it should on this side of it. But for our own lives, if we are in Christ, if we have trusted in Christ... Our idea of death, us viewing death for a believer should be viewed as the greatest gain that we will ever experience. Let's look at uh, verses 23, Philippians 1, 23. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I'm torn between the two. I long to be with Christ. I long to depart, meaning I long to die because I will be with Christ and that's far better for me. The idea of departing holds the image in the original language of a boat that is tied up to a dock or to the shore and to depart was they would untie that rope so that the the boat could drift off. And so when Paul uses that language, he says, this is what I long for. I long to depart like a boat leaving off the dock, I long to depart and be with Jesus, which is far better. The language actually has extra emphasis there. He says it is far more better, is what the, if we literally translated what it says. It's far more better for me to go than to stay. But that doesn't sound right in English. But Paul's trying to say this is the best thing that could happen. It's far more better for me to depart. How could that be? He tells us, I long to depart and be with Christ. It's far more better. It is the greatest gain because we will be in the presence of our Savior, Jesus, the one who loved us. And gave himself for us. The one that is the only reason that we can have life. And he says, that's so much better for me than staying here. And he longs for that day. 
it's far better. The reason that heaven is far better for us as believers is because we will be in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We had an elder at one of our churches years ago. And one morning he was sitting next to his wife and had a massive heart attack. And he leaned over, grabbed his chest, and then looked up at his wife. And his final words on this earth were this, I'm going to see Jesus. And then it was over. I'm going to see Jesus. What confidence and hope that this brother had. That when he realized, it's done. He just said, I'm going to be with Jesus. And we can have that same confidence and hope if we are in Christ. That is a reality for us. That because of the sacrifice that He made, and if we've trusted in Him and put our faith in Him, then when we die, we will be in His presence. And that is a beautiful, wonderful truth for us to hold on to while we're considering the reality that all of us, one day, unless Christ returns before it happens, all of us will die. And if we are in Jesus, if we have trusted in him, we will be in his presence. And it is far better. Now, it is important that we recognize that is not a universal promise. That is a, not a universal promise for every person that, you know, everybody except for maybe the worst of the worst are going to end up in some type of, you know, joyous heavenly state. This is a promise that is exclusive to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So as I mentioned earlier, if you have not trusted in him today for your salvation, the hope that we speak of, the joy that we talk about of life after this death, I mean, life after death, that is available to you if you would come to him. Scripture is clear that without faith in Christ, what you face after this life is eternal separation from God. And eternal punishment. But salvation is available today. And so we want you to know that. And want you to know that you can trust in him. And and what we speak about, the joy of being in the presence of Jesus, can be yours. And it is far better than anything that this world has to offer. So believers, we have to remember that promise. As we consider the life that we are living and and the reality that one day we will die, we have to remind ourselves now, when that day comes, it it really will be better for me. It will be the greatest gain for me because I will be in the presence of my Savior. I'm convinced that we struggle with treasuring Christ enough over the things of this world. We treasure the things of this world. We live for the things of this world. And so the idea of death for us is terrifying because we view it as the loss of all the things that we've accumulated, all of the things that we find and enjoy in this world. See, Paul isn't looking at heaven from the idea of it's going to be some 
uh, eternal state of just magnified joyful experiences from what he's experienced here, when he talks about this being better for him, you know, we often think about, and the world thinks about heaven in the mindset of, it's going to be great because every cast, I'm going to catch a trophy fish. Every golf shot, I'm going to have a hole in one. It's going to be the, the best experience that I'll ever have. That's not how Paul is viewing our life after death. Do I think that we will have amazing experiences in heaven? Absolutely. Better than our minds could ever imagine. But those experiences are not the reason that heaven is going to be a joy. The reason heaven is going to be a joy is because we will be in the presence of our Savior. That is why heaven is going to be an amazing place for us, is we will be in the presence of Jesus. So push back against that as we consider the reality of how we're living And when we consider the reality of our death, push back against what our hearts want to say about life now and the fear of death and say, what I will experience is far better. Or as Paul says in the Philippian letter, it's far more better for me. It's the greatest gain. The last point I want us to look at from this text is this, a believer's life should be lived to build up the faith of others. A believer's life should be lived to build up the faith of others. So as Paul, he's here with these next few verses, he's going to kind of expound on this idea of what fruitful ministry looks like, right? In verse 22, he says, If I continue on in this flesh, it will be fruitful ministry. And so in verses 24 to 26, he's going to clarify a little bit of what, a little bit of what that looks like. So let's look back at that. Philippians 1, verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Paul turns from what would be best for him. Right? He's already stated, what would be best for me? What is far more better for me is to depart this life and to go and be with my Savior, Jesus. But Paul's not in it for what's best for him. His life is an example to the Philippians because he's going to call them to this. And some of the text we'll see as we continue through this this study. He's going to call them to put others first. Put the needs of others before your own. Think of others before you think of yourself. And Paul is a perfect example of this here. It is better for him to long to be in the presence of his Savior. But he says... That's not, that's not what is best for you. And so I would rather do what's best for you and I will stay and I will serve faithfully. And what's his purpose of serving faithfully? We see in verse 25. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's life of fruitful ministry to Jesus is being used to build up other believers. 
It's to strengthen the body of Christ. It's to encourage the body of Christ. To help them treasure Jesus even more. He says, that's what my goal is and that's what's more necessary. And so I'm willing to hold off longing more for heaven so that I can be used to strengthen your faith. That's his commitment. That's his desire for everything in his life is that they would advance the gospel with his faithfulness and that he would encourage the brothers and sisters in the faith. And then he says in verse 26 that what that will result in is that your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. That if he does get released, and we don't know for sure if he did get released before this or if this imprisonment is the one that ended with his death. But he's saying, if, if I do get released, which I think is going to happen, then what will happen is you're going to boast more in Jesus. You're going to brag more on what Christ has accomplished and what he has done. And that's what Paul wants. He's not in this so that people will say, man, Paul's so great. He's so good and faithful. He's such a good steward of what God's given him. He's in this so that people will say, man, look at what Jesus has done. Look at how good Jesus is. And so he wants to encourage the body and build up the body. And that's true for what all of us should be doing with our lives. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. The life of a believer should be one that is encouraging other believers, building up other believers, and then working together to help advance the gospel Take the good news of, the G, of Jesus out to the world. So for us this week, what I want us to do is to consider that as we're thinking about our faithful service to Jesus and our faithfulness in building up the body. I want us to pick one unbeliever that's in our lives that we can share the gospel with and invite them to believe Invite them into a conversation about what it means to trust in Christ and the, the hope that they can have because of Jesus. And then I want you to pick one believer that's in your life that you can do something to encourage and build them up. Whether that's praying for them or if they have a need that you know about, doing something to care for them so that, not that they will think great of you, but so they will say, look at how precious my Savior is. That he would work in someone's life to, to care for me, to build me up, to, to meet a need that I have. And if we would do that, pick individuals who we can share the gospel with and pick individuals who we can build up in the church, then for us, we really will be living a life that will advance the gospel and strengthen the body. And that's fruitful ministry. That's what Paul's committing to. And that's what we need to commit to. I want to reiterate again that if you have not trusted in Christ for salvation that is the most important thing for you today. And we want you to believe in him today. 
And so I would love to be able to talk with you after the service. I'll be available out in the foyer and you can just let me know. I, I need to know more about that. I want to know more about the hope that you're talking about because of Jesus. I would find it no greater joy than to be able to share the good news of the gospel with you. And if you want, you could also, if you want to have some private time where we can talk about that, you can fill out one of the yellow cards on the back of the seat and just put your name on there, contact information, and check that you want to meet with the pastor. And we'll meet and we'll talk. And it will be a, uh, a time of good news for you. Church, we can and should adopt the heart and mind of Paul here. When he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so let us strive in that. Let us strive towards that together. Let us strive for a life that's fully committed to him. Because of what he's done for us on the cross, let us live a life that truly is Jesus in us and Jesus living through us. Let our heart's desire and our prayer be like the prayer of Brother Geo Terrell. Lord, we want to see Jesus, but until that day, wear us out in your service. He's worth it. Jesus really is worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And your word is precious. Your word is true. Help us be faithful to live lives that will magnify Jesus. To live lives that truly would be lives of Jesus living in us and through us for his glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.